From January 2003 to August 2020, there have been a total of 220 Powerball jackpot winners. The most winners in one year occurred in 2013 when 18 lucky players won the jackpot. The jackpot odds are an astronomical 1 in 292 million. That's right, 1 in 292 million. Those are terrible odds. Today, you're going to learn real ways to win with money as Dave shares advice that Mark Cuban has to say on your money. Good day and welcome to the Save Like Dave podcast, where we are on a mission to help you save and win with your money on almost any income level. Dave retired at 55, traveled the world, and lived abundantly, all while making well under $50,000 a year his entire career. Now it's your turn. Let's take your financial dreams to the next level. Today's episode is a fun one. We're going to talk about Mark Cuban and how he wins with money. Mark Cuban, of course, is on one of my favorite TV shows, Shark Tank. And Dave's going to share a few life lessons from him on today's episode. Well, hello, folks. Thanks again for joining me on uh, Save Like Dave. And as Nate said, uh, Mark Cuban is a real interesting guy. And probably most of you know him if you've watched any TV. He's got a pretty remarkable story. Just a regular dude that has done extraordinarily well financially. And I think he's a pretty decent human being as well, from what I can read. For any of you that have not heard of Mark Cuban, have you heard of Shark Tank? I'm guessing that if you know what Shark Tank is, you will know who he is. It may be because of seeing him on TV with Shark Tank that you know that he is a very successful business person. Shark Tank is a program on TV where successful entrepreneurs invest their own money with beginner entrepreneurs and help them succeed in their new business venture. So they basically put their money where their mouth is. It's the first show that I know of where the named people, the the players, so to speak, risk their own money. And so they have a vested interest in this new person's business. And so they they help them financially, but they also help them succeed in, you know, maybe it's uh, getting more exposure to their product or a, a way to make their product cheaper, faster. Yeah, it's... it's uh... I think it was probably the first show to do anything like it. Now there's a lot of copycats, right. but, but to me, there's nothing like it. And a lot of it has to do with there's a really good dynamic of the cast. And uh, it's always interesting, honestly. And, and of course, Mark Cuban's the one with the most money. So he generally blows the rest of the sharks out of the water most times. Yeah, you can see if you watch the show enough, like all of these uh, players in this group, they're all successful. But I can, you can almost see it that they, they know deep down that Cuban's the heavy hitter and they defer to him. And, and a lot of the uh, young entrepreneurs look and hope that Mark Cuban picks them because he's, let's face it, he's a pretty heavy hitter. So let me just share a little bit about his uh, background because it's pretty fascinating. And when I'm talking, I want you to think about you. You know, obviously I don't know your age. I don't know where you live. But just listen to Mark's story, and I want you to visualize, if say, especially if you're a young person, or maybe if you're a parent and you have a young child, listen to what Mark Cuban does in his process of becoming the entrepreneur that he is. 
So at age 12, Mark Cuban realized that he needed a little extra money. Maybe it was to buy new sneakers or a new stereo or records, whatever it was. And from what I read, uh, if I can remember correctly, he was from a modest background. I don't think he was poor, but he was maybe you could say middle or lower middle class. And so what he decided to do is he sold trash bags door to door. Now, let me tell you, how many people can do that? You know, when you're a 12-year-old, you know, you don't want to go sell trash bags, right? You want to play baseball with your friends or soccer. But he had that bent that he wanted to do something where he could earn money. And he realized by selling trash bags door to door, he's solving somebody's problem. And it probably helped that he was a young kid. He was probably a cute little kid. And, you know, mom or dad came to the door and they said, oh, look at this little guy. He's selling trash bags. I'll buy a, you know, a case of trash bags, right? However, what that did was it taught him a lot, you know, taught him how to sell something. I mean, trash bags, that's a commodity. I mean, everybody can buy trash bags at a grocery store, right? But he sold them door to door to make money. And it just shows you, you don't have to be, have some brilliant idea to start your business. He sold trash bags. And that was the first step for him in his start to becoming a very, very successful person in the business world. The next big thing that he did was he actually owned a bar after college. And this bar was uh, apparently a, you know, a pretty like a pretty fun place. And uh, he did that for a little bit. And uh, again, he worked with people. He's a customer person. He worked one-on-one with the customers. He had to have employees. And so he's learning skills along the way. You know, he learned certain skills about selling with trash bags. And then in a bar that he owned, he learned different skills, right? Well, here's where it really started to get exciting. Early on, after that, he created a company to solve computer problems. And he sold it in 1990 to another company for millions of dollars. So he looked at a problem with the computer. And again, this is right at the beginning of the computer age. And he solved a problem. He created that business to solve these problems for other companies. And somebody eventually bought it. So he took the money and ran, so to speak. However, that wasn't his big win. His big win was creating a business called Broadcast.com. And here's what happened. He was living in Dallas, Texas after college, and he had went to college in Indiana. And again, this is pre, well, right at the very beginning of the internet. And he got to Dallas. He missed his college friends. He missed the college life, but he especially missed the basketball games at Indiana University. And basketball in Indiana is huge. And he was one of those guys. And so he, he was in Texas. His college is, I don't know, 1,500 miles away. And he wanted to listen to those basketball games live. So he used his savvy with computers, and he solved that using the internet. And five years later, about, he sold it to Yahoo for $5.6 billion. Yikes. That's a lot of money. That's insane. Now, I would say in hindsight, Yahoo kind of got a little too excited and they probably overspent a little bit. I'd say so. (laughs) But good for Cuban. He must have been a really good salesman that time because uh, he made a ton of money. But he solved a problem, right? So just look at what he did. Those are just a few examples. I'm sure he did a dozen more, but those are three that I read. And I think they're all show us something about who he is and how a person can create a business kind of out of nothing. So. You could say, and I would say it too, Mark Cuban is a lucky man, and indeed he is, right? However, 
If you thought that, you may have missed the main point. Sure, he is lucky. However, if you read between the blinds, he solved problems from selling trash bags to creating a product online that allowed him to hear Indiana basketball games live while living in Texas. That's pretty interesting. Now, with that in mind, here are a few pieces of financial advice that Mark has learned along the way. The first one I'm going to share is be disciplined with your money. Now, you think about this. This guy is is a billionaire, but look how he was in college. When in college, he had three roommates, he ate mac and cheese, and drove an older car. What does that say? It says to me that he was delaying gratification for a bigger reward later. And I will tell you that that little delaying gratification is a word that it seems to be absent from many, many people today. They want it and they want it now. And I'll give you a really simple example. How many of you have gone online to your favorite online store, starts with a big A, and bought something immediately because you want it? You can't wait another day for that item. No, no doubt about it. It's just, uh, it's kind of how we're wired. And that's how big companies today, because they can do it, they market to you that they'll get it to you as soon as possible. Super easy to do. You hit a couple buttons and you get your product. Mark, though, thought differently. And that's what I've been trying to drill down to you for many, many episodes now. He thought differently about how he's going to live his life. He delayed gratification for a bigger reward later. So if you can do that, if you can change your brain, if you can change the way you think about life, from a financial perspective at least, you're going to win with money. You know, he did not want to finish college with a mountain of debt, so he was very intentional with his money. And to that point, one thing that uh, he did, which uh, I thought was really good, was he suggested that you go to a community college for the first year or two to save money and then transfer those college credits to a university. That sounds like something uh, that perhaps you did. Wow, well, well. Yeah, uh, actually, that's what I did. And again, I came from a very humble family. Uh, You know, we really didn't have any money. We were very, my dad was very low income. And so he could not afford to pay for my college. So I worked part-time at Sears from a junior in high school on through college. And I went to the local college. It was called Massasoit Community College. And now uh, that was a uh, Indian chief in uh, Massachusetts. And probably today we probably even call it that because that's not politically correct. But I thought they were honoring him by calling it Massasoit. And for me, it was a good experience. I did two years there. And like uh, Mark suggests, I did confirm that the, all those 60 credits were transferred to my university. And I got a good education because the first two years of your college, they're really basic. Most of your classes are basic. It's math, English, uh, maybe a science class or physics class, but the basic, the core requirements. The last two years of your undergrad degree is going to be where you're really focused on what your specialty is. If it's marketing, if it's engineering, if it's you know nursing, financial education, whatever it is. And uh, I did that and I saved a ton of money. As a matter of fact, I worked part-time at Sears. I did get a few small scholarships. And I think I had, if I remember correctly, I had, I owed the university $700. The community college, I owed about $700 that I paid off that next summer. And so I was debt-free going into the university. And I ended up going to the University of Massachusetts in Amherst. And uh, I'll tell you one thing, you know, both colleges, uh, two years in uh, community college and two years at the university were great. 
They were both, you know, a little different, of course. So community college is a commuter college and the university is not. I enjoyed both. I was a DJ in college at the commuter college and in the university, I, I loved college life. And actually I made it a point in my life because it was so good to me that if my kids wanted it, I would be sure that they went all four years to a university and lived away. And they ended up doing that. And I'm thankful they did. So those are things that you could do as a simple example of how you could save a lot of money going to college or your children going to college just by doing that one thing, community college, two years, and then university. The next thing that uh, Mark brought up when I read it was uh, to shop smart. And, and listen to this. Think about this for a minute. He said if you bought a $1,000 item, let's just say, I don't know, a fancy computer or a big TV or a washer and dryer, whatever it is, and you got $150 off, maybe it was just on sale that week, or you were able to negotiate with the salesperson, I got $150 off that $1,000 purchase, you just saved 15%. And he said that is a very good return on your money. If you looked at it from another perspective, if you had $1,000 and put it in the bank, if you got 15% on your money, you'd be a very happy camper. So that's the way to look at it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep. The point is to be wise with your money and don't pay full price when you don't have to. Be frugal. I know many of you are, but there's some that aren't. And if you're going to win with money, you've got to change some of your behaviors if that's a challenge for you. The next one is be a risk taker. As you've heard before, no risk, no reward. If you want to reach that million dollar mark or whatever the number is for you, you must take calculated risks. Leaving it all in the bank is not going to do it for you. Leaving your hard-earned money in a savings account will not get you anywhere near you want to be. And maybe for you, it could be investing in real estate like I did, or the stock market, or even open a business of your own like my son Nate and his wife Andrea have done. You know, the, the possibilities really are unlimited. It's just up to you to brainstorm, think it through, and take a risk. Take a chance. Exactly. And I know uh, actually something Dave and I were looking at earlier today. You look at an image of the comparison of the United States dollar compared to stocks and real estate. And as you'd expect, one goes up and one goes down. And uh, the value of $1 has gone down considerably over the last 100, 200 years. But through all the ups and downs, the stock market and real estate has done nothing but go up. Obviously, it has down years, right. but over time, it has gone up considerably over the last 200 years. So all that to say, even though it maybe is risky in the short term, I really don't consider real estate or investing in the stock market all that risky. That's right. And if you got to be in the game, you got to do that. You got to do something with your money. Don't sit there and let it uh, basically uh, lose value every year in your savings account. Now, here's one that Mark said I thought was interesting. When he talked about risky investments, he's not particularly fond of high-risk investments like cryptocurrency or individual stocks as investments. And, uh, you know, I thought that was pretty interesting. This guy is, is a sharp guy but he realized that there's some investments that are just way too risky. You know, real estate and stock market, um, they're risky, but they're calculated risks. And what he's saying is some of these things are just not for most people. Let's put it that way. So if you have money that you want to invest in and you could lose it all, you might be good with that. 
but he said never put more than 10% of your assets into one of these products. And that's basically the line that Nate and I have taken. If you want to be a little crazy and take an extreme risk, don't do more than 10% of your assets. All right, friends, I am going to do something a little different than I normally do. But uh, this particular podcast on Mark Cuban is really, to me, especially interesting. And I think it's very helpful. And so what I'd like to do is we are going to break it up into two sessions. And, and as, you, as you saw, I spoke about five things this first podcast. Be disciplined with your money. Be wise in your college spending. Shop smart. You know, save that 15% if you can. Be a risk taker. But be careful not to be too risky, like with uh, going into cryptocurrencies. So all that to say, we're going to finish today for so we won't, won't go too long. And we are going to pick it up again on the next podcast. The thing that I really took away from today's episode was that delaying gratification piece. Hmm. You mentioned that at the beginning, obviously shopping smarter. All these are really great advice. But I really like that delaying gratification because from what I've found, and I'm sure you as well, the most successful people in whatever they're doing, whether it be fitness people, athletes, you know, you look at Kobe Bryant, they're all willing to put away that gratification and really sacrifice themselves what they eat or how they practice or making money. In your case, you were successful with money because you were able to delay that for a later date. You were able to delay what you're doing now, essentially traveling the world and living a good retired life. That's right. You know, I did delay it. Uh, honestly, it was a long, roughly 30 years, right? But I saw the big picture. You know, I thought if I stayed healthy and uh, I wasn't hurting myself by uh, being more frugal than maybe my neighbor, but I delayed my gratification. So now I can, you know, live and give like no one else, as Dave Ramsey says. Yep, exactly. So again, as Dave mentioned, this is going to be part one. And actually, the part two will come very soon. And uh, so we will end today's episode without any of the main points to emphasize, but we do have a quote from Mark Cuban to finish with. All right, guys, here's a short and sweet one, but it's a good one. Every no gets me closer to a yes. That was from Mark Cuban. Every no gets me closer to a yes. Think about that. <laughs>